0: Come on, can we take five seconds of some loud praise all across this room? Again, I say it every week, not a little golf clap. Come on, give it up for the King of kings and Lord of lords. Give it up for the one that gave his life for us. Come on, five more seconds of praise in this place today. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to jump in together. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and grab them. And in honor of God's word, we love to stand uh, just in honor of God's word. So wherever you are, if you have that. Bible, you go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to be at the front of the book today, we're in a series called Let's Talk About It, tap your neighbor, say we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it, we're going to talk about it, go ahead let them know, we're going to talk about it, and uh, today I'm excited, we're continuing this series, and it's, uh, everybody on three, we're going to breathe in deep together, and then we're just going to exhale, we're just going to relax, everybody okay with that, so here we go on three. One, one, two, three, Whew. let's take a deep breath in, we're going to talk about something today that the world is loud about, and the church is a lot of times silent about, We're going to open God's Word and see what the Word of God has to say. So if you're ready for God's Word, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 1. If you're there, say, I'm ready. If you're not there, say, hold up. Somebody, we'll wait for you. That's okay. I like it. Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, verse 26. All right, now I think everybody should hopefully be able to be there. If not, it's going to be on the giant screen behind me. Again, one more time. If you're ready for God's Word, say, I'm ready. Awesome. This is what it says. Verse number 26 It said, then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They'll reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Come on, that's how I read the Bible, my ADHD self. It just happens that way. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then verse 28, the first commandment in the Bible, look what God says. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, all the animals that scurry along the ground. And uh, verse 31, it says this, jump down to 31, then God looked over all the things that he had made. And he saw that it was very good. So tap your neighbor say, it was good. It was good. It was good. Tap your other neighbor that you picked second. Say, it's still good. You're still good. It's still good. So, so listen to me. I, 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 again, this is a series that, that we're, we're attacking some topics that people, probably a lot of times the church wouldn't. But these were questions that you had. And we're going to answer it today. So why don't we just ask the Holy Spirit to continue to be in this place as we read his word together again. As we talk about something that, again, culture is loud about. But the church is a lot of times silent about. So we're going to talk today, let's talk about sexuality and transgenderism. So we're going to talk about that today. We'll talk about it in just a second. Let's pray together. God, we love you. Jesus, we honor you. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. Would you do what only you can do? Would you minister how only you can minister? Will you speak how only you can speak? Will you, uh, God, allow us as we open the word. Today to know that there are loud voices all around us, but to quiet the loudness and just to listen to your still small voice today. We believe you. We trust you. We honor you. It's in the mighty, incredible, matchless name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said a good. Amen. Amen. Once you high-five your neighbors, say I'm glad you made it to church. You go ahead and have a seat. Have a seat. Have a seat. Awesome. 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 Well, I'm so glad that you're here. So glad. Man, there's a lot of y'all in here. So thankful for you. Uh, we, we always say you got a scooter, scooch. And second service, y'all were having a scooch to the middle and scoot to the middle of your row. And a lot of y'all here. We'll, we'll keep opening up places uh, for us to be able to worship and add as many people in here. Keep inviting your friends and family. Just to honor that you're here. I'm Dustin, if I've never met you. And uh, just really grateful for you. Thankful that you're at church today. And so again, we are in a series called Let's Talk About It. Somebody shout, Let's Talk About It. All right, so we're gonna talk about it today. But uh, I think a lot of times what we do is we get asked, why in the world would you guys do a series like this? Like, why in the world would you do that? And I'll just tell you again that we're going to be a place that is very intentional on doing whatever we got to do anything short of sin to connect people to Jesus and help them live on purpose. That's what our goal is. That's what we want to do. What we want to see, that's the touchdown for us. And I hope the Cowboys score a lot of touchdowns today. Come on somebody, all right? Sorry about that. Just had to put that in there. I just just obviously we have some great Cowboy fans in the room right now, all right? But uh but I'll just tell you like we want to do what that's the touchdown for us. That's when we win is when we see people connect to Jesus and live on purpose and a lot of times There's questions like this along the way that you have when it comes to uh, life in general. And so last, uh, this actually in Easter, uh, at Easter, we had you guys fill out a survey. Okay, what were some of the top things that you want, you have questions about that you want to know what the Bible has to say about it? Last week we talked about skin color. This week we talked about the fact that we are going to be talking about something that the world is very loud about, the church is often silent about. Next week we're actually going to talk about uh, suicide and self-harm, so if you know anybody, That that has struggled with that thought before potentially, I would encourage you have them in the room next Sunday. It's going to be a healing, I just believe just a healing sermon and service next Sunday where people are going to experience freedom in Jesus. So if you know anybody that's going to, that has struggled with that, maybe yourself you have. Listen, we're going to talk about it and we're going to do that together. And then I also want to tell you the week after that we're going to talk about stress and then to finish up the very last week of this we're going to talk about the second coming of Jesus. And why are we doing it? It's because you've asked these Questions. That is the top, literally the top four answers. Last week uh, was one that was written in a bunch. The top four answers uh, of what you said at Easter this last year was these are those four things that we want to know about. And so we're gonna talk about it. And so today we're gonna talk about sexuality and transgenderism. And I want to I want to tell you guys right off the get-go, this is probably the toughest issue that's not openly talked about in church today. Can we all agree together with that, right? It's going to be a little, so again, one more time. Let's everybody, take a deep breath in, through your nose, out your mouth. Ready? Here we go. One, two, three. That's good. All right. That's good. Because I want us to breathe, because what we're going to do is we're going to talk about it today, but I want to start out by just saying that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what your background might be, how long you've been there, what your struggle might be, I want to encourage you, I want to let you know that you matter to God, you matter to this church, and you matter to me. I don't know what you might have walked in this place carrying what your life may have looked like, but listen, you need to know that you matter to God, that you matter to us, and you matter to me. And I say that because a lot of times what happens, especially when it comes to sexuality and, and transgender movement, these things, what begins to happen is we have a very polarizing culture. You're either one side or the other, right? You're either all for it and you affirm it, or you're on the other end and you uh, you are alienating it. And you're saying, hey, you know what, That like that's kind of what culture's pushing on us. But I love the fact that Jesus himself had a better option, a different option, because Jesus was such a paradox when it came to ministry. Like, I love the life of Jesus. Like, on one hand, you got nobody that ever exalted God's standard of righteousness more than Jesus, right? He lived it to a T. He was perfect. His life was perfect. He followed after God. He lived a perfect life. Nobody else wanted to say, okay, this is the standard more than Jesus did. Like, he was the standard. He lived the standard to a T. And yet, on the other hand, what happened was never was there anybody who so effectively drew in people who had broken aspects of their life, right? They had broken marriages, they were prostitutes, they were tax collectors, they were thieves, they were broken lifestyles. Come on, has anybody ever had a past before, before Jesus, that you were broken, I was broken and busted and had nothing going for me, but thank God that Jesus came, and they all love to be around Jesus. I love that so much, that Jesus didn't alienate or affirm, but he had a, a, a middle ground that is the ground we're going to go after today. The Bible even says it like this in John 1:14 that the word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father. Watch this. This is the third option. This is the best option. 100% full of what? Okay, 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 everybody's asleep, everybody's nervous, all right, come on, come on, relax a little bit, come on, right, here we go, here we go, grace and, thank you, grace and truth on three, here we go, one, two, three. Yeah, yeah, so that is the option, that is the better option, the best option, because ultimately that's how Jesus lived his life. I, I love and have so much honor and respect for Pastor Chris Hodges, the pastor at Church of the Highlands, he says it like this, that gra- truth minus grace is mean, Grace minus truth is meaningless, but truth and grace are good medicine. Come on, somebody. Anybody ever met somebody who was right, but they were mean? Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You ever met somebody like that? How much did you want to spend time with them? Not much, did you, right? They're angry. They're mad. But they're right, but they're mad all the time. Anybody anybody ever know somebody like that? Okay, just me in the room. I know somebody like that. Okay, anybody, come on, wave at me. Come on. Get your hands moving right now. Come on, everybody. We're going to get in this sermon together, Okay. Like, like, I want you to see that. I think all of us know somebody that they may be right, but they're mean while they're right, okay? And I, I think that would just be uh, one side of the coin that truth minus grace is mean. Grace minus truth is meaningless. If we just show grace and everything is okay, nothing is okay, right? Ultimately, And then the fact is, if we can combine both of those of grace and truth just like Jesus did, come on, y'all, that's some good medicine. That's some good thing for us. And so I got to thinking the church of Jesus Christ, Purpose Church, should be the most empathetic, grace-filled, caring, kind, compassionate group of people on the planet, right? That's what we should be. And yet at the same time, we must also hold true and hold uh, uh, to the truth of what God's word has to say. So we got grace and truth. We've got empathy and, like, uh, righteous anger. We've got uh, what we're going to go with today, compassion and conviction. Compassion and conviction. And I want to just share with you my heart today that I I would love for us to be a church, and I'm going to approach today when we're talking about this topic with compassion and conviction. We're going to approach it with compassion and conviction. 1 Peter chapter 3 says this, like, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, watch what it says. Always be ready to explain it, right? I got this conviction. How, you know, if somebody comes up to you at work, oh, man, there's something different about you. There's something about you. I, I don't know what it is, but there's something different. Okay, you are living your life by conviction. I'm not going the same place everybody else is going. I'm not doing the same thing everything everybody else is doing. My life looks different. I'm living it based off conviction, but watch what the Bible says. Always be ready to explain it, but watch this says. Do this in a gentle and respectful way. Again, because truth minus grace is mean, right? We're, but we're also going to speak truth, because the Bible even tells us that we will speak truth, come on, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, in love. Is so everybody good with that today? We're going to speak some truth in love. Everybody okay? This means yes in Kentucky if you don't say nothing, okay, like this, all right? Okay, cool. So we're going to be a church that's full of compassion and conviction. We're going to be a church that's full of compassion and conviction. That comes from our Savior. Because ultimately, John three sixteen. we all know the verse, for God so loved, somebody shout so loved. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that anybody who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, right there in that one sentence, the most famous verse in all of the Bible, we've got compassion and convictions. You've got grace and compassion in the first thing, that Jesus came, that he was willing to come, that he was willing to, to leave heaven to come to earth, that, that there was this compassion, that he didn't just leave us far off to figure it out by ourselves. Come on, is anybody thankful that Jesus came? Is anybody grateful that he didn't just stay off in heaven? But he has some compassion that he came. Then watch this. There's also, 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 also the truth and conviction. Okay, here we go. Let's laugh together today. We're going to have to, all right? So, so, so there's this truth and conviction also that Jesus in that, in that literally that one verse shows. And the fact is why he came. Why did he come? You know why he came? Because we have a sin problem and our sin separates us from the Lord. So what happens is in that one verse we see the fact that Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not staying far off. I'm coming to them. I love them so much that I'm going to be the propitiation. That's a big churchy word. I'm going to be the substitute for their sin, that I'm going to go and I'm going to die on a cross. Is there anybody thankful in Murray, Kentucky at the second service on on September 10th that says, you know what? I am thankful for Jesus that he was full of compassion and conviction, that he came, he died, he got out of the grave, and now he lives again. Again, come on, if we believe that and we're thankful, give them a big shout of praise. I mean, I'm thankful. I'm grateful that our Savior, and what happens is, though, is that where we can get it wrong as a church is when we overemphasize one over the other. We can either overemphasize grace, or we can overemphasize truth. But I'm asking for our church to be a grace, full of grace and truth kind of church. Is everybody good with that today? So let's talk about it. Let's talk about this Generation right now that what we see in our culture is what I would call under a spirit of confusion in this generation. This generation is dealing with a spirit of confusion that is on it, and uh, we all we all know, and we'll talk about it a little bit more today, but like the, the spirit of confusion, God is not the author of confusion, no, no, that's coming from the devil, and we'll talk about that in just a second, but I again believe that our job as Christians, our job is as the church of Jesus, should be to meet this spirit of confusion with compassion. And conviction. I want to show you some stats really quick when it talks about the transgender movement that you've got to understand what we're living in right now. It's kind of going to help us give us some context for where we're going. Everybody good with that? All right, here we go. I want to see some stats. So we're going to throw them up here on the screen. Point eight of traditionalists, that's anybody that was born before 1946. So any, anybody born before 1946 in this room? Come on. Is there anybody in here? Come on. we got to work on that demographic of our church. Come on, somebody, right? All right, all right, 1940, before 1946, let's go. Come on, give it for my girl right here, born for 1946, I like that. It's my dad's birthday today, and I need to tell my dad happy birthday. He's in the next generation. Is my dad around? Tell Somebody tell my dad happy birthday. I'm so sorry. I literally, when I said September 10th, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's my dad's birthday. Um, okay, I, I'll find him in a second. Okay, cool, so before, I'm so sorry, like this is it, okay, I'm just going to tell everybody, like I am the real pastor, I say it a lot, there's not an older guy coming out next weekend, okay, like this is it, all right, cool, um, 0.8 of traditionalists are people that were born before 1946, identify as LGBTQIA+, so 0.8%, okay, Now go on to the next generation. Any baby boomers in the room born between 1946 and 1964? Come on, let me see you wave your hand in the air because you do care. Come on, somebody. All right. I see you. Good, good. Represented well. 2.6% of baby boomers identify as LGBTQIA+. Go on to the next generation born from 1964 to 1980. Any Gen Xers in the room? Come on. Wave your hands in the air. Because you're probably scared that you're waving your hands in the air right now. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. everybody, you good. You're good. You're hollering. I like that good. 4.2 of Gen Xers identifies LGBTQIA+. Okay, do we see a trend that's happening here? We see it? Okay, come on. We're going to go to millennials. This is my generation, 1981 through 1996. Where y'all at in the room? All right, then, y'all, y'all proud of that right there. We ain't getting no sleep right now. We got kids that are young and just all that. Woo, that was like a tired cry. It's like, woo Yeah, that's us, millennials, right? But we have 10.5% of millennials identify as LGBTQIA+. So we see this trend is growing. Then I want to ask my Gen Xers, anybody in the room, or Gen Z, uh, born between 1997 and 2003, let me hear you. All right then, all right then. Ooh, y'all real excited. I like that. But there is a crazy stat that I want you to see if you're born in Gen Z. Look what it says right here. 20.8% of Gen Z identifies LGBTQIA+. That's one in every five of you Gen Zers. And I got to thinking about that. Look at this span of, of about, you know, let's, let's call it 60 years right here on screen. And do we see that we are living in a spirit of confusion? Do we see that we're living in a spirit that, that just continues to grow? And again, I want to I talk about this topic with compassion and conviction that there is a real battle that is going on in the world, that the struggle is real. And that my thing is, is that we should be a people of compassion that should say, you know what, if you think about the statistic rates of suicide rates within the transgender community, that this should break your heart. Are you ready? 82% of transgender individuals have considered killing themselves according to the National Institute of Health. 82%. Did you know that 51% of transgender individuals have attempted suicide, according to UCLA. There are people out there that, that they think that God made them by mistake, that I'm an accident. They can't stop thinking that God hates them. And I just got to say this with everybody in the room that's watching, if you're watching online, if you're listening, I just have to say this, that God does not hate you, that God has a plan for you, a purpose for your life. It's to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He hasn't given up on you yet. If you've got breath in your lungs, God still has a purpose for you, and he wants to use you for his glory. He loves you. He sent his son for you to die in your spot and mine. Come on, is anybody thankful that God hasn't given up on you? anybody yet? He ain't given up on you yet. And we're going to have compassion because everybody is struggling. Somebody is walking through something that walked maybe into this place or watching online and there is, that. There is a lot of thoughts and feelings that are going on in our life and I want to be a church that's empathetic, that's compassionate towards some people that realizes that we all walk in this place with something. We all walked in this room with something that we're carrying and again if it doesn't break your heart when you hear statistics like that, And also with a story of of Andrea Long Chu, who was a male and yet transitioned to a female by having his male genitalia removed. This is what he said. This is what she ended up saying. This is what I want, but there's no guarantee it'll make me happier. In fact, I don't expect it to. Dysphoria feels like being unable to get warm no matter how many layers you put on. It feels like hunger without an appetite. It feels like going on an airplane to fly home only to realize mid-flight that this is it. You're going to spend the rest of your life on an airplane. It feels like grieving yet having nothing to grieve. And I think if you can listen to that person literally who's crying out for help, who is broken, who is saying, hey, I've tried it and it still doesn't help. If that doesn't move you to compassion, I would question if Jesus is on the inside of you. Because God so loved the world, everybody, me, you, the person sitting next to you that walked in this place with a different struggle than you and me, God gave his life for them. And I, I, If that doesn't move you a little bit, if that doesn't move you to compassion, because we see our Savior is moved to compassion in Scripture, that he is filled with compassion over and over in the Bible. And I'm asking that we would be a church that has compassion for people who may struggle with something different than us and that we continue to let this be a place where it is okay to not be okay. That's the compassion and the grace side. But listen to me, it's just not okay to stay that way. That's the truth and the conviction side. I right, said, so we're going to be a grace and truth church. We're going to be a, a, a conviction and a compassion church. And what I, I want you to know is that Satan has created this spirit of confusion. And he's been doing that since the very beginning of time in the garden when Adam and Eve were there. And they can enjoy all of it, what we read today. Be fruitful and multiply. Do your thing. Have fun. Like, enjoy my presence. This is awesome. And from the very beginning, Satan began questioning and creating a spirit of confusion where he even asked Eve. He said, hey, did God really say that? Did God really say that? And ultimately Satan's goal, you know what it was? It was for you and I to question the validity of God and the truth of his word. That's really what it was for. And I want to challenge some of us today that we've kind of had the same spirit that the Romans had in Romans chapter 1. That they traded the truth about God for a lie. What we've been doing and what culture has done is traded the truth of what God has shared with us as good and holy and have traded it for a lie, thinking that it's going to satisfy us, thinking it's going to make us happy. And the Bible goes on to say they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the creator himself. And I think if we're looking around our society right now, that's happening. It's happening often. And again, I I just want to be very clear that the devil is a liar. The Bible tells us that the devil has always hated the truth that there's never been, there's because there is no truth in him the bible says and when he lies it's consistent with his character why for he is a liar and a father of lies and y'all I want you to know that what he's doing with this spirit of confusion with the lies that he's feeding you and I is he has a purpose for that and i said this uh, many times over and over again but john 10:10 10, 10 tells us that the reason why the thief is doing what he's doing, the reason why Satan is doing that and creating this spirit, this culture of confusion and lying, you know why it is? It's to steal, kill, and destroy you. And not only that, and I said this a while back and when we were talking about our next generation, the devil hates your kids too. He wants to do whatever he can to steal, kill, and destroy your family, my family, the church. He wants to do whatever he can. But thank God that that verse doesn't just stop right there. Because Jesus came, he gave his life, he gave us life. And guess what? There is a purpose in him giving us life. You know what it is? So that we might have a rich and satisfying life. That does not mean that bank account goes up if we know Jesus. That's not the kind of rich I'm talking about. I'm talking about a satisfied life. And no matter what's going on around you, what's happening within you, there is contentment and holiness going on on the inside. No matter what's happening around you, that's the life that Jesus offers. That's the purpose that he has for you and I. Has anybody ever experienced that before, where it may have been hell breaking loose all around you, it might have been crazy at your job, your relationships might not have seemed like, oh man, I have no idea how to explain it, but the peace of God was over your life, the peace of God directed you in your life, and somehow, some way, in the middle of chaos, you were at peace, you know why? Because of Jesus and what he's done for us. Come on, is there anybody that can attest to that? Is there anybody that can testify right now and say, you know what, I've been through it, yet God went through it with me. I just want to challenge us with that, that the world is going to say one thing, and most of the time it's going to be a lie or a a twist of the lie, or a a twist of the truth. And and how many of y'all know, how many parents in the room know, if you ain't telling the whole truth, you ain't telling the truth. Come on, somebody, right? My kids. Okay, well, I told some of the truth. It's still a lie, bro. Come on, Brex. Come on, Conley. You know, like I'm trying to teach them, trying to let them know, okay, hey, even if it has partial truth in it, still doesn't mean it's the truth. I want to challenge us with that. that The world is going to say one thing, but the word of God has a better word for your life. That the world is going to tell you, go this way, do this thing, then you'll be happy. But God's word and his purpose is for you. It's better than you could ask, think, or imagine. And so today, I think a lot of times what is at the center of the transgender movement that's taking place. And I honestly believe it just extends past that. It's actually at the heart of every single person. There's two questions that you may be asking or even the people that are struggling with transgender ideology are asking. One is who am I? Two is how can I be happy? Who am I and how can I be happy? So we're going to answer that based off what the world says, based off what the word says. Everybody okay with that? I say everybody okay with that? About six of us first. Now we're ready. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Let's do this together. We got 10 minutes. Nine minutes and 29 seconds. Go. Let's do it. Who am I? The world is going to tell you, I am what I feel. That's what the world's going to tell you. That, hey, hey, what I feel becomes just who I am. Like, be yourself. Follow your heart. Be who you want to be. And one of the main movement, motives behind the transgender movement has been to try and separate sex and gender. So we see that coming. That gen- Somebody even said in medical news today that gender is different than sex. Although genetic factors typically define a person's sex, gender refers to how they identify inside. Only the person themselves can determine what their gender identity actually is. And I want to I just be very clear. We got some things I want to throw up here on the screen behind us. But I want to give you some definitions of what sex actually is. Sex refers to the different biological and physiological characteristics of a male and female, such as reproductive organs, chromosomes. So you have external and internal chromosomes and hormones as well. And a male, let me just throw this out there, a male, according to science, one X chromosome, one Y chromosome, X, Y. Come on, we're going back to biology class today. Everybody okay? Okay, one X, one Y. This is biology, this is science speaking. On the other side, you have females, 2X chromosomes, XX, okay? What is happening right now is that what, what, what is behind kind of this movement of, of transgender ideology is that they would say sex is something that you're born, but gender is something that you get to decide. Something you get to decide. And gender identity is a person's self-perception of whether they are male or female. And listen to me, this hasn't always been the case, but this is 2023. And now in 2023, you can be born as a biological XY chromosome male with male genitalia, but you may not feel like a male inside. So you can now present yourself as a female and also vice versa. And I I, want to just challenge that because, again, what is happening and what is being fed to you and I is that gender is now separate from our physical bodies And it's all about how we feel and how we self-perceive. Does anybody see how this can get very confusing? Does anybody see how we can be in dysphoria, which if we just define gender dysphoria, is the feeling that there is a mismatch between a person's physical sex, their body, and their psychological gender identity, their mind. What's happening is that we have people deciding today that one day they might feel like they are a male, and yet the next day they might feel like they are a female. And that's called gender fluidity. That, that again, a person whose gender is not fixed. And I got to thinking about this. And I, I, I want to just throw this out. The compassion side of me says, hey, I understand that you may feel so strongly with that. I have strong feelings too. I have a lot of strong feelings. Why? And you may be asking, why would I feel this way? And why would they be so strong if I wasn't able to fulfill these feelings? And I want to just throw this out there that I understand that. I get that when it comes to feeling certain ways. I, I, yesterday, we went on a road trip as a family to a soccer tournament with our girl. How many of y'all love road trips? Anybody out there? Come on, wave at me. Love a good car ride. Love turning up the radio windows down. Hair blowing in the wind if you got any left. You know, like, you ready to go, okay? Anybody love it? Okay, how many of y'all love road trips with kids? Nobody's, all right? Nobody's hand's going up right now, okay? So, like, we, the, the kids in the room are like, yeah, I love going with mom and dad. I, I'm with you, all right? Same way. My kids love it. But, boy, I'll tell you, my patience are as big as my little toe is what my dad always told me, right? And especially once you get all of us in a car together and we start going down the road, oh, Lord, I'm telling you, the patience of the Lord is tested in my life during that, all right? How many of us uh, get on the road and we know, okay, I'm just going to be honest. We went to Cookville, went to a soccer tournament, was coming back, and uh, I I put in the GPS you know, the, our house, Put in our address, Start on our way home. And that ETA that's on there, I don't know how many of y'all do it. How many of us are beating that ETA? Somebody, come on, in the room right now. You know what I'm talking about? I am beating that, I promise you. Allie, you got to pee, hold it. We ain't, we got an ETA that we got to beat right now. All right, the kids, just peeing your pants. It don't matter. Like, we getting there on time or before that time says. Come on, anybody else in the room right there? Okay, same way. I'm just making sure. So I, I don't know about y'all, but anytime something like that happens and somebody's in the way, I don't like it. All right? I got an ETA, I got to beat. Come on, somebody, right? Does anybody find themselves with a little bit of road rage every now and then? Come on, somebody. Anybody get stuck on 641 right here at lunchtime? You ain't getting across town in 20 minutes. I'm just telling you, you ain't. Ain't going to happen. Right? Anybody get a little road rage action happening? Okay? Not just me, everybody, other sinners in the room? Good. Good to know. Okay, good. Like... That happens, and I'll just be very transparent with you. We're an honest, open, transparent church. There are some feelings inside of me that are not godly when it comes to driving. Can I be honest? I think all of us can be honest and say there are some feelings that I have that I probably should not enact on. Will we agree? (laughs) Because, man, that would not be good if I did what my mind told me I need to be doing right now, all right? All right, like in a car. No, 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 no. I think all of us can understand that we have feelings that sometimes don't need to be enacted on. Can we agree with that? I think what happens is we have to be very careful when we justify, we use our feelings to justify our behavior. we got to be very careful because here, listen to me. The compassionate side of me says, "I I know you may be feeling a certain way. I'm not saying you don't feel that way. I'm not saying that that feeling isn't strong. I probably, I believe that it is probably really strong. I am saying that God's facts will always trump the way that I feel. So uh, you you and I, the world is going to tell us, they're going to lie to us and say, hey, you know what, oh, oh, the world, I am what I feel. And I would just combat that with the word of God that says, no, 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 I am who God has created and called me to be. That's what the word of God would say. That's what the word of God would tell you and I. God is saying, no, 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 no. You're not just what you feel, you're who I created you to be. The truth is not something that we feel, that it is not based on what we self-perceive. No, the Bible tells us that because of sin, we can't trust our feelings, that we can't trust our heart. Jeremiah 17 tells us that the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Go ahead, tap your neighbor and say, your heart, not good. Go ahead, let them know. Go ahead. (laughs) Just trying to laugh a little bit today, all right? not good, not good, right, it's desperately wicked, watch what he goes on to say, who really knows how bad it is, right, it's real bad, so so I can't trust my feelings, I can't trust my heart, we can't trust our own thoughts and feelings, we need to submit them to God, and that we can trust in the Lord forever, Isaiah tells us, because the Lord God is an everlasting rock, and the world may tell you be who you are, do what you ever you got to do to make yourself happy, like do all that. But I just came to remind somebody that I am who God has created and called me to be, and you have been created in the image of God. Well, we started out reading today in Genesis chapter 1. Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. So the Bible tells us that God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Listen to me. You are made by God, for God, in the image and likeness of God. And you're unlike anything else in all of God's creation. Because you bear the mark of the God who created you. Now, you are Loved by God with a love that is not changed or shaken by anything going on in the world. That you have been created in his image. I want to tell you that today. I want you to know that. Come on, if we're going to clap, let's give him a big shout of praise in this place. And I want to share this with you. I want you to know something else too. That the word would tell us that you and I are either a male or a female. Now listen, there's no biological, chromosomal evidence that there has ever been anybody born inside the wrong body. Now you may feel that way, and the feelings are real. I, I understand that, and I, 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 can, I can get that. But according to the Word and the desire of God is that you and I would be made whole. The Bible says that we have a spirit, a body, and a soul, and, and that He wants to make you holy in every way. That every way, spirit, body, and soul, and and here's the deal, altering the way that you look or altering it with surgery cannot change the underlying reality of a person's biological makeup. That the psychology of the mind cannot override the facts of a person's biological markers. That what is a male XY chromosome is a male, and what is a female is an XX chromosome. And The Bible tells us, Matthew 19, haven't you read the scripture? It's Jesus talking. They, rec- they, they record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his mother and his father and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one, since they are no longer two, but one. Let no one split apart what God has joined together. Jesus right there affirming male and female. Now I want you to see that God gave you a body, right? The world may say, it's your body. Do whatever you want to do with It doesn't matter. Listen, God gave you your body that you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. Psalm 193, or 139 says, I was a little dyslexic right there, all right? And knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. Listen to me. You are not an accident. You are not a mistake. You are set apart. God has saved you if you know Jesus. He's redeemed you. And listen, you are God's masterpiece created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good works that he planned for us long ago. Listen to me. When you and I decide, you know what? God made a mistake. He put me in the wrong body, put me in the wrong life. When we decide, okay, I'm going to take matters into my own hands and I'm going to change that, listen to me. You and I are ultimately and essentially playing God. And the Bible tells us that you and I shall have no other gods before God. And I want to challenge some of us today that the word of God would be the truth that we would base our entire life around. That the world is going to change. Again, you've seen it on the, uh, the spectrum. The world has changed in the last 60 years of what they thought truth was. But the word of God has never wavered one bit. And I want to challenge some of us. Don't believe the lie that the enemy is stoking you and feeding you. Let's believe the word of God. Amen or me, church. Everybody good? Compassion, conviction. We're going to live with some conviction. We're going to land a plane on this. How can I be happy? How can I be happy? We're going to land a plane on this. Kyle, if you don't mind coming and playing those sweet keys, because everything sounds more spiritual when you play it. Come on, somebody, all right? How can I be happy? Leah Thomas, she's the, the, the famous Penn State swimmer who went on scholarship as a male athlete, transitioned to a female. When asked about transitioning, Leah said this. I just want to be happy. And I just want to be happy. And the world so will say this to you and I. Listen to your mind and change your body. That's what the world will say. Listen to your mind, change your body. But again, I want to just challenge you really quick. Just remember, yours in my heart are feelings, some of the most deceitful of all things, and desperately wicked. Who even knows how bad it really is? I think the world, what it tells you and I would say, if you would just change your circumstance, if you would just change your genitalia, if you would just change your surroundings, if you would just change your job, if you would just change your relationship, if you would just change your appearance, if you would just change your family, then you'll be happy. Right? It's based on everything external. But how many of us know and can speak from experience that you know what? That there's, there's some truth in that you can have everything that you want on the external and yet internally be empty. Anybody been there before? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can have it all. I mean, you got the girl, you got the car, you got the job, you got the family, you got all this stuff, and yet something at the end of it, you still feel empty. And I think the world would try and tell you and I, hey, we've traded this truth god's word for a lie that says okay do all of that externally and then internally i'll be happy and the transgender movement says resolve the tension by changing your body but the word of god says that you have to live in the tension but you got to allow god to transform your mind so so the world may say listen to your mind change your body but the word of god says offer your body to god renew your mind that every day, you and I, you don't need a new body. You and I need a new mind. We need to think differently. We need God to renew our thoughts. We need our heart to be regenerated by God. We need to be different from the inside out, not the outside in. And I think what happens is, is that we get it so switched up. And again, we believe the lie. And Romans 12 tells us, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, Offer your body as a living sacrifice. You know what that means? Dustin has feelings, but I'm going to offer my life, my body, my body, mind, spirit. I'm going to lay those down as an offering to God. And I'm going to be a living sacrifice. See, before Jesus came, it was all about killing it and being a sacrifice. But since Jesus came, you are now a living sacrifice, which means daily you and I are making decisions that we're going to lay things down at the foot of the cross. That every day you and I are going to say, okay, hey, I know my feelings, my preferences, what I like, what I want, what I think is best for me. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to lay them and submit them to God. And I'm going to say, God, I'm offering you my body. I'm going to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. You know what that does? Just speak to everybody in the room. That affects where you go. That affects what you do when you get there. That affects who you do that with. That will change you. When you and I lay our preferences down, I'm not just talking to the transgender community right now. No, I'm talking to all of us. When we are sacrificing our wants, our needs, what we think we need at the foot of the cross, it's holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Watch this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Right, see that right there? Isn't the Bible so cool? Like, I just love the Bible, right? Like, its it was written thousands of years ago, yet it is, it is the only book in all of history that the author is still alive and speaking. And guess what? It can be written thousands of years ago, still good for me today. And look at that. Don't, tra- don't, don't conform to the pattern of the world. Do you see the pattern from 1946 on? Do we see the pattern? Spirit of confusion. The Bible's telling us, hey, no, no, no. no, no, no. Listen, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Watch what it says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind then, somebody say then, you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, is good, is pleasing, and His perfect will. Listen to me. Happiness may be based on external circumstances, but joy is a fruit of the Spirit, that no matter what the external may be, internally there is joy, and there's only one place that that comes, and that's from the Savior, the King, Jesus. And he even experienced it. For the joy set before Him, the Bible says in Hebrews joy set before him. He endured the cross. You know what? That's an external circumstance. that was not fun. Come on. Can we appreciate that? That was not good. That was not, not, not enjoyable. It was excruciating. But there was joy even in the midst of excruciation, even in the midst of feelings that, man, oh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, this is hard. This is tough. Right? Jesus even experienced that. Paul chained to guards in prison because he spoke about Jesus, writes some of the most encouraging letters in all of the Bible from a prison cell. How? How can a person do that? It can only be found in a regenerated heart and a renewed mind. And it can only be found in Jesus. Again, we can try and feel it all in all different areas of our life, but it's only Christ that can satisfy us and that we can truly live a satisfied life. That's the purpose why he came. Not not Perfect life, not circumstantial stances are all good. Easy life. That's not what he said. It said that no matter what, okay, the thieves coming to steal, kill, and destroy is confuse this generation. Come on. Let's know what the purpose of God is, what the purpose of Jesus is. It's that I may that they that they may have life and have it more abundantly, another verse says. Another verse. I like that a lot. There's a lot of us been looking for life, but we ain't found it yet. There can only be pa- found in the person of Jesus. I want to offer that invitation to you today that Jesus has already done all the work. It's just about you understanding that. It's about you saying, oh, I get it. I can't do anything else on my own. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I'm busted. I'm separated from God. But Jesus came. The Bible tells us that even while we were still sinning, Romans 5, 8, that Christ came and died for us. You're in this place, and you want to give your life to Jesus today. You've tried everything else. Maybe you haven't tried anything. Maybe you tried being good enough. Maybe you tried coming to church enough. Yeah, you you've never given your heart to Jesus. Today's that day. You're here for a reason. God's got a plan for you. you God has been you know, pricking your heart, and the Holy Spirit's been drawing you to Jesus today. And so right now, I'm going to give you an invitation to where you can say yes to Jesus today. So all across this room, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? In this place, we're just going to take a moment right now where we just respond to the gospel today. We had a young lady in the first service that raised her hand and said, I give my life to Jesus today. I'll just tell you, all of heaven is partying when one person comes to Jesus. So there's some people in this room that need to give their life to Jesus today. That's you. The Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, that we will be saved. So if you're in this place and you've never done that, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to him, I want to give you that opportunity today. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of repentance. It's not a perfect prayer. It doesn't have to be word for word, but I want you to mean it in your heart. Say something like this. Say it like this. Dear Jesus, I want you to come in my life. I want you to save me. I want you to forgive me. I believe you gave your life for me on the cross. I believe that you've, uh, you were put into a tomb and you got out of the grave. And I give you my heart and my life today. And maybe you're here. You prayed something like it. You prayed it word for word. But you just meant it in your heart. And you said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life today. If that's you. I just want to tell you, again, all of heaven is partying. All of heaven is rejoicing. We're about to do the same thing right here in this room. If that's you and you say, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus, would you just put your hand up over your head and say, hey, that's me. I just did it. Just gave my life to Jesus. I see your hands. Anybody else? Say, hey, that's me. Anybody else? Say, hey, that's me. Awesome. In just a second. We're going to have um, one of our pastors, Pastor Damien, is going to come up and tell you guys how we want to follow up with you, how we want to build a relationship with you, how we want to help walk this thing out that you just said yes to Jesus. And Jesus is, Jesus is the one that saved you. man. Jesus is the one that delivered you. Jesus is the one that died for you. And, again, there is a party going on in heaven when one person comes to Jesus, when one person realizes what Jesus has done and asks him to come into their heart. So why don't we do this purpose, church? Can we stand to our feet? And as we stand to our feet, come on, can we thank God for salvation being in this room today? Come on, give him a big shout of praise all over this house.